Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Well, blasphemy laws we may have thought were something out of the dark ages, but in some parts of the world, they are here to stay. But there's been a very remarkable development in the nation of Pakistan. Our guest today, Wayne Leslie, Associate Director of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, uh, to talk about this wonderful story out of Pakistan. Dwayne, welcome back to Freedom's Reign. Thanks so much, Alan. Always a pleasure to be on your show. Asya Bibi has been released. Tell us about who this lady is and what happened to her. Sure. Well, it's a great story, but unfortunately, we're still waiting for the, the full com- completion of it. For those of your listeners who are not familiar, uh, Asya Bibi uh, is a mother in Pakistan, mother of four, uh, 47 years old. And uh, in 2010, she was sentenced uh, sentenced to life in prison, or sentenced to death, actually, for a blasphemy conviction. Uh, she was accused of defiling the name of the Prophet Muhammad during an argument with a Muslim woman over drinking water. And uh, this story got considerable attention in the international press. And uh, thankfully, in uh, October 31 of uh, this year, 2018, uh, she was acquitted. Unfortunately, when news of this spread, um, there's considerable unrest in um, many of the local members there, and there was rioting, and um, many people have threatened the judge. Her lawyer had to flee the country. So we're we're happy for her release, but uh, we are concerned that uh, she's not been able to leave the country because clearly she and her family will not be safe uh, to remain in Pakistan. But we're grateful that the judge had the courage in the face of significant public pressure to uh, overrule the blasphemy conviction upon appeal. Now, I don't know that you mentioned that she is, in fact, a Christian. I'm sorry, yes, she is a Christian. That's correct, yes. And I don't know that she was particularly well-educated, was she? I mean, this is basically a farm, you know, kind of a a rural family. And uh, now when you say the dispute was over drinking water, the impression that I've had is that it was literally at a well, but I'm not sure if that's correct. No, I believe that is correct. And it really, when a dispute really isn't really the right word, it implies that she got into sort of this major disagreement. Um, blasphemy allegations are often made against religious minorities, and in Pakistan, prominently Christian. Uh, they're left, they're fewer than 2% Christian in the entire country of Pakistan, and many of the Christians uh, in the country are in the lowest socioeconomic class. And blasphemy allegations are often used as just an additional leverage tool against uh, the religious and socioeconomic minorities in the country. Well, I know that there have been reported cases where blasphemy is used, in effect, to steal someone's property. Absolutely. They get sent to prison, and then uh, the accuser gets to take over their property. But, you know, in this case, we're talking about a rural agrarian family that uh, didn't have property worth pursuing as such. And it wasn't a property dispute. It was really just someone being offended that she's Christian. Now, 
You mentioned the courage of the judge. I think it was, wasn't it a three judge panel of the Supreme Court? That That is correct. But it sends a chilling effect when uh, what has happened in some of these cases in the past. So they've targeted the lawyers. And so if they can convince the lawyers not to take the cases, um, then they've, in essence, prevented appeals from going forward. And her lawyer had to flee the country because they threatened his life. Well, you know, I can relate to that. You know, I had a I had an inquiry not too long ago from someone claiming to have been discriminated against by the IRS. And frankly, that's perhaps the one agency in the country that has so much power to, you know, to make your life miserable. I didn't want to risk retaliation. No, the I, IRS. I understand. Sure. <laughs> oh, but that's hardly life threatening. You know, um, there were two prominent politicians who literally lost their lives opposing these blasphemy laws. Isn't that correct? That, that's true. And, and so in Pakistan has tried to put some window dressing on the fact that they had a long history of oppressing the rights of religious minorities. And so they actually developed a cabinet position to be an advocate for uh, basically Christians, but that's a very small percentage. And the most noted case is uh, Shabazz Bhatti. Uh, who, again, was an outspoken uh, advocate for uh, the rights of religious minorities, and he ended up being assassinated for that. Um, most recently, another cabinet member in that similar position was shot but not killed. And so anytime someone speaks up for the rights of the minority, uh, they do so at their own peril. And as a result, the U.S. State Department has placed Pakistan on a watch list for severe violations of religious freedom, and the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has also suggested that they should be a country of particular concern because of their long and sustained uh, pattern of behavior when it comes to the treatment of religious minorities. Now, I understand that uh, Ms. Bibi has been released. Her lawyer has fled the country, but I had read recently that the government kind of made a bargain with the, the protesters not to permit her to leave the country. That is my understanding. Um, but, of course, that would, in essence, uh, allow her to be killed by um, her fellow citizens. And so it is my hope and prayer that uh, international governments can be able to come in and, and get her out of the country. Uh, it'll probably have to be done uh, under cover of night or with a you know, extreme secrecy, but there's no way she continues to live in her community. And so right now, uh, she is, my understanding is she's hiding in an undisclosed location, but just waiting for an opportunity, hopefully, to be able to leave. I understand that they've reached out to some other countries, Canada in particular, uh, in hopes of gaining uh, asylum. Well, yeah, I think that there are a number of countries that would willingly grant her asylum. Um, the question is, uh, her ability to leave. I mean, right. I've long, you know, this is a case that has been followed very closely here in the United States, and probably many of our listeners have heard about it. We've certainly done shows about it in the past. Talk to us for a minute, Dwayne, about just how much visibility this particular case has had in the United States. Well, this case has been talked about, as you said, Alan, quite a bit because it's such a compelling story. You have a mother, I think she's approximately 47 years old right now, uh, with at least four kids. And, you know, you just think about someone who wasn't trying to create any trouble, wasn't trying to overthrow the government, simply being a Christian. 
sharing her faith over at a local well. And now that meant she would possibly have to lose her life. And so it really rallied. She was a very sympathetic individual. The human rights community got involved and really the free Aja Bibi became sort of this watch cry. But another point to remember is that while her case has gotten significant publicity, there are many others uh, who were involved. And um, just to briefly mention, I've been involved with a case of a young Seventh-day Adventist by the name of Sajad Masi, who similarly is facing life imprisonment under a blasphemy conviction in Pakistan right now. And I've been working on this case for um, about the last four or five years. And when we finally got an appeal date, his lawyers, their lives were threatened. Uh, the judge was threatened. And so even on appeal, he was not successful because of the public pressure. And so we need to keep the pressure up. I'm not sure what we can do in Pakistan, but these kind of cases, the rest of the world needs to know that there are people, not just Azia Bibi, who are living under the sphere of blasphemy and are not able to follow the dictates of their conscience. So for everyone like her that we hear about, how many other blasphemy prosecutions are we uh, are we not hearing about? And there are many others. In, in my work, I track a lot of them. I, I try to keep up what's happening in the world of uh, international religious freedom. Uh, but this case is almost textbook in the sense that most of the cases you lose on appeal and you uh, sit in a jail for the rest of your life. And in the event that you actually are found innocent, in some ways, that's almost worse because that sets you up to be killed by the local mob. Because most people who are not able to escape and to be transferred to another country, it's really quite tragic. You know, Dwayne, it's hard for us as Americans in, you know, in the first world, so to speak, to wrap our brains around that kind of culture, that kind of religious animosity. Um, that people would be locked up for the rest of their life just because of their their religion. Absolutely. And and I think when you look at a country like the United States where uh you know, which was founded on on basically freedom of conscience and freedom of religion, we find it hard to believe that expressing a minority religious viewpoint would subject you to personal harm. And so that's why these blasphemy laws, not only in Pakistan, but many other countries around the world, are so damaging because that basically prevent someone from uh, articulating a minority viewpoint. And so I was actually pleased to see in a country like Ireland, which hadn't been enforcing their blasphemy law, but it had been on the books, um, just recently uh, in October of this year, they had a public referendum and they voted to eliminate the blasphemy law that was on their book in Ireland. But there's several other countries uh, with blasphemy restrictions on their books. Well, we're going to do another show about blasphemy laws in Europe because they still do exist in Europe, a holdover perhaps uh, from ancient days. But, you know, in the case of the Seventh-day Adventists that you're working with, I'm just curious. I mean, there's blasphemy and then there's blasphemy. I mean, there's, uh, you know, preaching the gospel and, and uh, you know, publicly proclaiming Jesus as Lord, for example, Right. And then there's publicly denouncing um, Islam in some way or the prophet. Uh, and, you know, so in a sense, you know, all that is considered blasphemy is not uh, uh, equal. I I'm wondering 
are people being prosecuted because they are overtly offensive or or in the case of of your Adventist client, uh, is it really just for being a Christian or expressing Christian faith or what's in? Uh, well, I think in many times, Alan, I think you mentioned it earlier at the top of our show, where sometimes people use blasphemy to take something that you have. In my case, with the clients that I've been working with, uh, it was it was a situation where at trial he was he was accused of sending a blasphemous text message, which of course should be easy to prove. At trial. The witness who said they received the text message recanted their testimony at trial. There was no text. The witness recanted the testimony. But the judge was afraid of the mob that was outside on the courthouse steps. So even though there was no evidence, my client was still convicted, which is outrageous. And it was simply because there was an individual who wanted something that he had. It actually was a love triangle because he was interested in Sajad's uh, girlfriend. And so he used this false claim of blasphemy to put young Sajad in jail for the rest of his life. And I think that that's, that's outrageous. Wow. Well, that really is um, quite a story. Our guest today has been Dwayne Leslie. We've been talking about the reversal of the blasphemy conviction of Asya Bibi in Pakistan. We're out of time. Dwayne, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thanks, Alan. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help folks suffering religious discrimination, especially in employment. Please check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate.org. Freedom's Ring is also available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved, join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.